Hello, I'm Dave and welcome to the Getting Better Acquainted 200 season. Five episodes where the tables are turned and instead of me having conversations with guests, guest hosts interview me. The shows will be coming out daily from the 16th to the 20th of March and they're there to celebrate over 200 episodes of my In Conversation podcast, Getting Better Acquainted. As part of that celebration, I'm going to be shouting about previous episodes on the show's Twitter feed, at GBA Podcast. If you want to join in the celebrations, if you'd like to share your favourite episodes and your thoughts about the show, I'd really love that. The hashtag that I'm going to be using is GBA200. So join me with the celebrations over on Twitter. Today we have GBA200 Part 2 with Chella Quint. You can find Chella on Twitter at Chella Quint. She does lots of amazing things including comedy, art, zines, science and sex education. You can find out about her space themed show that she does under the hashtag comedy in space and you can find out about her menstruation education project at period positive on twitter today's theme tune cover is by george brufton and it's the music i'm using as a background for most of the intros that i'm recording this week but for today's episode the intro and outro music was written by Chella herself. This podcast was edited by me, but the editing was according to notes and preferences supplied to me by Chella. Also, a content note, today's episode talked about experiences of bullying, of mental health, of death, and of violence against children and unhappy, abusive childhoods. It doesn't really focus on those things in a big way, but I just want you to know those are some of the stops that we'll be making as we journey through today's conversation. So here's today's alternative reality version of Getting Better Acquainted. Which number episode will this be? Well, it'll be two hundred, but there'll be part. It'll be part whatever of two hundred. Okay, so this is part such and such. Yeah. Of episode two hundred of Getting Better Acquainted podcast. That's right. Uh, normally hosted by you, Dave Pickering. That's right. But today hosted by me, Chella Quint. anything you don't want to talk about well there are lots of things I feel uncomfortable with but I'm happy talking about those you're happy to sit with the level of discomfort and share I put myself into awkward situations where I have to talk about things I'm not comfortable with because that's my artistic process I guess right gotcha I mean true storytelling that I do a lot that's what it's all about Mm. if I'm scared to talk about something I know there's a story that's worth telling that's very true and so I mean the last couple of years I've done a lot of both on Getting Better Acquainted and in other places like with Spark London, with the American podcast Risk as well, where I've just gone to the places that I'm scared to go. And yeah. it's been great because the responses of the audience has not been, you're as horrible as you feared you were. It's been, that resonates with me. I've had those experiences too. And you're not alone is what I've got back from the audiences, which has been lucky because 
but wouldn't necessarily have people can judge you if you know they can judge you if you tell people stuff. judge you whatever yeah, you do though right. whether you're telling a, a risky story or not right that's very people true that's really constantly. true right 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 you know whether they want to or whether they can help it or not you know yeah assessing and taking in and processing what they see and yeah absolutely but you do that with stand-up tragedy don't you you invite people to take stories that they might not normally get a chance to tell right at, at, at like a comedy festival right and tell them it's a funny thing because it's definitely like when we think about things like trigger warnings or, or content notes mm. and stuff like that, which I, I do think are important. But yeah. I, I, I mean, where I fall down on it and I, I absolutely respect anyone's choice of whatever words they want to use. I don't use trigger warnings because I don't think you can know someone's triggers. Yeah. But I use content note because I think that you can tell people what the content's going sure. to be. And with stand up tragedy, I always feel like a big responsibility to frame it at the beginning like so that people know if they stay in that room that this could be any kind of dark topic like yeah. it's about tragedy so you know death is probably going to yeah. come up but but there's other things that have come up on the stage which are absolutely right to be on the stand up tragedy stage but I, I don't want people to to come across that unexpectedly but at the same time i also think that the, the name of the show itself is almost a content note like it's called stand-up tragedy yeah. kind of what do you expect and but, it's not and i don't find know. people doing that show are deliberately trying to be like in in quotes edgy no no and absolutely use it as not. an excuse that's people true. are genuinely feeling relieved that there is a platform for the sadder side of stuff that they may have edited out right when using humor to see the funny side of things or taking a tragic situation and using humor to turn it into something that's funny right and saying you know like well if you can't find the humor in tragedy what's the point but actually just sitting with the tragedy for a while yeah is pretty uncommon an opportunity to do on stage but also like in society yeah that well that's how I feel about it and also I feel like one of the things that Sun of Tragedy hopefully does is that you you flip between laughing at the tragedy mm. and being sad about the tragedy yeah, it's really and pathetic. having all of those kind of different moments I like it I mean but then it's like when you've grown up with certain kinds of like darknesses in your life and you're attracted to those kind of mm. art forms you also have to remember that not everybody is is as comfortable, is as expecting of those yeah. sorts of things. Like I've, I, I definitely have come to realise that there are certain topics that I talk about, you know, when I'm doing true storytelling or whatever, that for me, they're very cold. Like I, if I'm talking about being hit as a kid, yeah. right, for me, that's quite cold like to me now. I mean, yeah, sure, if I tell the true story and I really get into it, of course I go back to that moment and it's a little bit triggering. Yeah. But for me, just a casual reference to it. And here we've got some, very loud some sound happening outside. Yeah, for me, like talking about sort of, I guess things that, you could call traumatic in my childhood mm. I don't realize that they're that they're that they go that way when other people hear them so for for example Steve Cross will never for, forgive me for this and, oh he, and, he, and he always brings it up oh any time he in hasn't a, told me yet we, when we did Tragic Christmas yeah which was probably the darkest show we've ever done oh my goodness it was like the and it also had some real light in yeah it, of course but it was really dark I started it with a Christmas memory about you know, basically, I won't go do the whole story, but it kind of ends with it ends with me being pushed back into the Christmas tree and hit and told I ruined Christmas. Right. Whoa. So your reaction there is the kind of thing that I don't realise people are going to have okay, when so I talk about that. Raised eyebrows. Yeah, I'm not saying you're traumatised. No, 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 no but like raised eyebrows of like shock, 
being reflected back to you when you tell something that's quite matter of fact suddenly reframes something that you looked at as fairly normal yeah as something that you should have been upset by and that can be quite triggering right okay and also well also it's that the, I, I was upset by it but I mean I, one of the things that I do and it's probably a mistake and it's definitely and it's definitely something I'm working on as a human Not being necessarily but, but what I do is I I think well I was only here X amount of times other people had really count. bad stuff I, I'm nothing compared to them uh, do, you, do the whole like this is far less important than other issues I'm trying to challenge that element in me yeah. that always minimises my pain and, and, and maximises everybody else's pain I mean the maximising other people's pain is fine I mean that's just empathy yeah but but but, but i need to have empathy you need for to myself be, yeah, and as accept well. other people's empathy toward you towards me yeah absolutely saying that though if you're getting through a situation where it's the norm for you that you might get hit now and again you're not going to know that it's not the norm for everyone else if you're not in their houses well, it, and if it really was a few times and you've handled it and you've processed it and right. you've dealt with it it's also fair enough to have the point of view that you've grown and reflected and moved on absolutely and 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 for, for me it's a complicated thing because it was it wasn't that it was the norm of my household it was that it became the norm of my household once my household changed into right, a different okay. household That's so I kind of had like a before and after so like for me I was like a, I had a complete safe childhood up to the age of eight mm-hmm. and then suddenly everything wasn't safe for quite a few years but anyway, I introduced Steve Cross by telling this story, and then he's on next. And like, obviously, how did you link to Steve Cross? Well, I mean, I I do sort of have a slight perverse enjoyment of like bringing on a, an act that's nothing like the last one, right? Okay. Uh, and so there was a kind of element to that. But because I was the act, it was a sort of it was a strange transition. Yeah, you were if you were comparing, you had control. Of yeah, the situation. I don't think he was in a in an awkward situation, but he felt like how where can I go if this has been happening? So he did mm. a. He decided to to try and do some material that was pro violence against children, which is a strange decision Whoa. to make. I mean, it was ironically pro. Yeah, he did well. It was a great set he did, and he did I'm recover sure. it, and he 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 captured the the. It's audience. a hell of a segue to have to right, make, though. but then you see. But, but this is a weird thing. Like, so then I was doing the Arts Emergency Social Club where it's basically an idea of getting people together to make money for Arts Emergency mm. and talk about the arts. And it was great. And he was comparing it. And he did what he always does, which is refer to how bad it was that I brought him on, uh, you know, after yes. this thing. But then I, I realised, you know, he doesn't realise either that talking casually about a child being hit is quite a complicated thing so I mean I, I I had to refer to it in my set almost because my set was about tragedy and uh, so it kind of I, it, it you know in if the, there's an elephant in the room show. I'll always yeah and if there's, okay. a, if there's an elephant in the room I'll always point at it to a certain extent as a compare you do have to kind of take responsibility for stuff you yeah. you do you compare more than you perform now uh I compare I, I normally perf- I normally perform on a night that I compare. So, but as but you are but you're performing as the compare now. Yeah, you go I, on other people's shows very often. Yeah, I do other people's shows sometimes, and I like it when I do other people's shows to a certain extent because the pressure's off mm. about worrying about the whole thing. Yeah. Although I worry a lot more about the actual performance because I always worry about doing it right for their show, like making their show work. Uh, and I well, that's how I felt when we started. I felt all of that. I do feel huge responsibility interviewing you for your show. Yeah, well, because I'm because your audience will be listening. They will. Yeah. I mean, I don't know who they are. <laughs> I mean, some of them will have different opinions than others. You know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I do it right. It's 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 good though your show. 
<laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad you think that. You're, you're currently hosting it. Oh, well, thank <laughs> you. This show is great. Yeah. So we've talked about child abuse. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, that's it. Um, What's next? Well, I mean... But la- yeah, laughing about tragic stuff. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's... I mean, yeah, so I guess, like, I'm comfortable talking about anything, but I one thing I try to remember is that, that I have to remember that my experiences are not, like, familiar to everybody else. So yeah. I have to be aware of things can be potentially triggering or shocking sure. or surprising. And I, everyone has to remember that. Absolutely. But, but and then it's it also... not something I thought about for a lot of my life. And so now so I'm thinking about it all the time. More... Well, I've been thinking, yeah, I mean, I guess I've been thinking more about those kind of responsibilities, like, you know, yeah, in the last five to ten years, really. Like, it's not, as a teenager, it wasn't, the art that I wanted to make was kind of punk and kind of, like, in your face and in, like, you know, and, like, the, the plays I, were write, I was writing were very, you know, you write plays? violent. Yeah. Oh, you're a playwright? Yeah, I guess so. I mean, plays were the first thing I did. Well, po- poetry was the first thing I did. Okay, yeah. And then yeah. I moved to, from that very quickly to plays. Same here. I and didn't I know that. wrote and produced plays at school, and I yeah. formed a theatre company at university. And I'm, yeah, plays are my That's favorite. awesome. Yeah. Same here. Yeah. I mean, I know, I've, I've heard you saying that you've written plays, and we were I just forgot, talking earlier I, on. I completely I was... forgot that I said that also, but yeah. I forgot. I didn't know that you, I'm so excited. Yeah, no, I write plays. I'm saying same here because I want you to yes. tell me more about it. I know, and I'm trying to think where, think to, about, where well, to go. Okay. Um, did you study playwriting or did you do it for fun? I studied theatre at university, and up to that, that point, I, yeah, it was theatre studies and creative writing I did together. Yeah. And I wanted to study plays but I went to a university that did contemporary experimental theatre and I didn't realise so devising yeah I didn't realise that what they really weren't about was plays and it's not to say that I didn't learn stuff and it's not to say that the kind of theatre I saw didn't expand my mind to a certain extent because I was so used to plays that seeing stuff that was very not like plays was really useful but I wanted to work with texts and, and yeah. I, I wanted to write my text and when I wrote a text and I, I did try and do that with the with the degree that was a really horrible process of having a text that was then taken and then devised and then changed into a completely different thing that was kind of interesting but but I felt like I was being marked on something that the department wanted me to do rather than okay on my own thing and trying to make my own thing as good as it could be so do you feel less inclined to do devising I, I, I like doing it a bit here and there. I've done prefer? devised uh, stuff. I mean, the first show I took to Edinburgh was with my theatre company was a devised piece that we devised together. I'm certainly, I like collaboration. I like that sort of stuff. Do you like, and you like improv, don't you? I do, I do. That's uh, good because I'm taking you to my improv. That's true, later. yeah. I completely forgot. Okay. I do like improv. <laughs> and I've done a bit of improv here and there at different times. I mean, I when I was a teenager, I in, in I moved around a lot, but wherever I was, I was always involved in the, in the theatre department yeah. I mean once I got to Cardiff and was being quite s- s- kind of extremely bullied at school yeah, that was where theater, the theatre studies department the room was my safe haven like if I'd not been allowed to go there at lunch times and break times I don't really know what would have happened to me and, and it wasn't just what I liked about it was it wasn't just like I was bullied for loads of reasons but but the 
the other people in that room who were also taking shelter from in, in the theatre studies room, they weren't necessarily bullied in the same way. They didn't necessarily no. have the same kind of problems. We were all sort of like pushed together of no. like people who were, I guess, like me, like one of the things I was bullied for was being like reading and, 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 and being, you know, uh, someone who was like creative and intellectual or whatever. Wow. These kind of words I don't like. But the but the the other people who were there were there because they were like, you know, it was the the, the safe place for them to go where they weren't going to get in trouble for like being bad if you like in inverted commas like so basically the good kids and the bad kids basically took shelter together oh, cool. in the theatre studies department is what I'm trying to that's say that's amazing without I mean you know I don't like the words good or bad in that sentence no yeah. I know what you mean like <laughs> the kids who had a reputation for behaving right and the kids who had the reputation for misbehaving for not behaving yes exactly okay. right the, 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 everyone was safe in that drama that's department fantastic. and that was because of my teacher safe places to hang out yeah. are essential in schools because there's there's such unsafe environments I feel yeah I think having worked in schools yeah there, there is no cohesive PSHE curriculum yet because it's not statutory, and there is no cohesive anti-bullying policy right. that everyone subscribes to right. consistently. So if you don't know what kind of teacher you've got, you don't know if you can talk to them about relationship or yeah. friendship problems you're having. Right. Um, even on just on like a like an asking for help level because they haven't received the training. Well, yeah. And you don't know if you can report bullying to them because you don't know how amenable they'll be to well, doing that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, when I look back at my school, I'm not, I had really great teachers some really great teachers mm. who were inspiring and 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 gave me safety or or if they weren't giving me safety they were giving me knowledge or expanding yeah. my mind but without a doubt a number of the teachers in that school were complicit within the bullying yes. that was done to me yeah. and they certainly there were a no, number of them that weren't safe to to tell because they wouldn't handle it right yeah but I mean I was you know I was like, because what, what happened to me, like, the bullying thing of, of me was, like, basically got a name, like a nickname, uh, and then it was, like, a scapegoat thing, right? So I was the scapegoat kid, you know, the, the one that doesn't get picked at all and everyone, like, spits at and kicks when they're walking down the corridors and shouts that name. And, like, for most people, shouting that That's name... That's horrible. You yeah. were the only one that had that happened? <clears throat> no, there must have been others, but I but won't... you were sort of holding the I, ridicule I felt like I was the only year. one. But I, well, no, not not just for my year. It was definitely a, a, school. a school thing. Secondary school. Yeah, the whole school. That's horrible. And and what it was is, it was like most of the people who shouted Melvin at me when I was walking down the street... You were called Melvin? Right, I know. For no reason. It's a ridiculous thing. Someone just decided I looked like, like a Melvin. Like a nerd whatever word, that means. sort right. of a... Like, I guess I so. Guess with Dexter yeah. in and, the US. I mean, what it was is that they called me Melvin and I reacted badly to that initially. And so right. that's that. they knew that prodding me worked. And then I and was the person who prodded. And that's not your fault. It's perfectly normal to react badly to being called a name you don't like. Yeah. Well, I just moved to the, to, to you know, moved to a different country, essentially. Wales is a different yeah. country. And, and I was having a lot of problems at home and I'd come from a place where I was having a lot of problems at home. So it's like a, a walking wound and that's mm-hmm. really attractive to bullies yeah. because that, that, that's what you want. I, I have sympathy for them. I have a, like, they, they have complicated things going on in their lives and they yeah, just want to get a reaction and I can, I'm the one that can give them that reaction and they can have that experience. Being so. more vulnerable than someone who is scared of having their vulnerabilities. Right shown is is kind of a safe haven for them right so like sort of you're like their well vulnerability where they bestow all of their fears about being perceived as vulnerable right and picking on you but also vulnerability is a thing that i think people find distasteful in a in a boy in a man and they also find it distasteful in women actually i think it's probably a human yeah. thing we don't like vulnerability yeah. but but a lot and, of the and bullying... women find it distasteful in groups of women right and if we're looking at all genders yeah right. there is a pressure on 
guys to adhere to this, you know, to performing masculinity. Right. And so when I was growing up, a lot of the bullying that I got was also homophobic bullying, even though I, 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 I'm not gay. Um, and that's, but, but I shouldn't even have to say sexuality. that. I get really annoyed. Well, I'm no, happy to, like, but schools, schools with good anti-bullying policies are encouraged to list real or perceived mm. sexuality. Right. So if you are bullied based on your gender identity or your sexuality, that's homophobia or transphobia. Right. If you are bullied because of someone's perception or assumption about what those are, yeah. regardless of how you identify, yeah. that is equally hurtful. And it doesn't matter whether you are you know, trying to avoid a label or haven't come out or yeah. genuinely don't identify as gay or trans or bi. It's, it's about somebody using something that could be part of your identity to mock and ridicule you. Right. Well, I think it had a, that's the problem. It's I think, with the perpetrator, not with you. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it had a massive effect on my politics or my 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 kind of sense of identity politics, if you like, mm. because the the main ways I was being bullied was were either homophobic or they were I was being you know compared to being a woman, right? So I was wow. very much understanding that first of all, masculinity is is something that's heavily policed, and I I was not in the right camp of that but I was also understanding that if I'm being policed this way with these kind of words that means that gay people and women are also being policed mm. in this way like it they, they I growing up that was they were clearly my allies I guess yeah that that, that I could see that that, that we yeah. were all in the same uh, they, I can't remember who there was, there was a quote I heard recently by someone who was like if you look I can't remember the exact quote but it's like you look at the other people who are being bullied and you know that they're you're all on the same side mm-hmm. against the again you know you know who's you, you, but this this Did side you ever turn against each other when I say they were my allies I don't even mean that I was friends with them they mm-hmm. were they were concepts that I was allied with right. I mean I I had gay friends but I uh who came out later or you know Right. were it's it's more ambiguous about where they were in in terms of how they identified mm-hmm. and i certainly women were safer to be around girls were safer to be around um but eventually i just had about three or four like very close male friends okay. who were also i guess not fitting into being a proper man and okay. so we we all got on but we were quite in, in, in our was, interactions we were quite laddie, man i guess but, versus right. not proper man but you had tiny, tiny laddishness with your yeah. Well, small group of guys. well, that's the thing. I mean, actually, like one of my one of the guys who always had my back and was was as you know was really pivotal to my kind of being safe. Steve, he's now a builder and he's like the most masculine <laughs> guy you'll ever know. Although his brother is the most camp guy that you'll ever know, right. and so it's 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 really interesting when they're together because they're so the opposite kinds of masculinity together, mm. but. It was. It's more about being accepted, really. Yeah. But there was definitely like you know what I what I look back on as like macho kind of jokey stuff, which isn't necessarily even macho, right? I don't even know why it even has to be labelled that way. Because yeah. I got lo- I know loads of women who and and yeah, every all 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 genders where people will just take we'll the just joke out around, right? Take the yeah. But I, anyway, I mean, so a lot of that bullying was like aimed in those kind of ways, and so kind of going through that that school system had a it was very different from what I expected when I was in primary school I guess when I look back at my school time I do try to forgive I I get annoyed with people who say bullying made me who I am or whatever like it was a good thing I've got stuff from all of the bad experiences that I've had in my life but that's not 
that doesn't mean that any of those bad experiences are ones that I would welcome or recommend. Like, just because we learn how to deal with things doesn't mean that we're no. condoning the thing. And there's actual research that trauma uh, changes your brain function yeah, and delays maturity. Definitely messed so me up in loads of ways I as was, well, yeah. Because I'm doing some, like, <laughs> research on puberty and what happens to the brain during puberty. And right. that was the bit I didn't know about in this project that I was involved in. I was talking about menstruation and public attitudes and stigma and taboo to maturing, but somebody was talking about the psychology of it, and actually, you, you rely on your amygdala as a child for sort of fight-or-flight responses and emotional decision-making, and you eventually learn to put that all in sort of your, your frontal cortex and stuff, and processing all of that more conceptually and intellectually. Yeah. And if you are in constant trauma as a young person or a teenager, you delay making those neural connections until, like, I mean, how old are you now? I'm 33. The yeah. strategies that you learn that get you through your childhood mm. are often the things that completely screw up your ad- adulthood. Talk to I me. Feel Give like. me some examples. Well, I, I just feel like... <sighs> Is this okay? Yeah, no, I'm just trying to think of some examples of, of how it's worked for me. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, be just like being the person who's always trying to get everyone to get on, you know, is mm-hmm. not is not... An ideal thing so that's what I got from my my, my home life was yeah. trying to get everybody to get on and what I got from my adolescence I think is pretty much my like my anxiety and depression I mean how however much of that some of that is probably is definitely biological mm-hmm. I mean my mum is is very much in a very anxious and depressed person family heirloom then. yeah yep. but but I think that the way that I didn't address those things, I definitely got that from my adolescence because there were things that explained everything then. So I just thought I'm sad and I'm anxious because I'm being bullied. Right. And then when I became an adult, didn't realise for a number of years that I still had those same problems, those same feelings. And I wasn't addressing them at all because I was saying, right, that was that was in the past. And like it was only when I sort of started looking at my past that I could really see what the fuck was going on in my present I think okay, yeah. I mean I say that as if I've got some handle on it I I find there was like three great or maybe two initial years of like I'm starting to understand stuff but then the more you understand stuff the more work there is to do and I'm yeah. in that point now <laughs> yeah it's hard this is the hard bit the thing I would say about being bullied what I try to remember and what I try to see is that a lot of those people who were bullying me weren't even aware that they were bullying me like most people if they're just saying Melvin as you're walking down this corridor right that's a really moment in their life they're really not thinking about anything it's just when you see that kid you shout that word and it's kind of what we do when we it's part of the culture yeah it's it's just what we all do and then there was obviously people who really seriously bullied me who took advantage of Mm -hmm. the fact that this was the culture around it but those people I think often had their own traumas had their own like terrible things going on and and so I try to I try to sort of like not hate the people but that hate the actual system that was around those yeah, people forcing them into been, these positions i mean schools should have better atmospheres yeah. and they can be created in a lot of different ways yeah and one of them is for teachers to have really 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 shit hot anti-bullying training every single member of staff yeah. not just the i don't know form tutors or not just the heads of year but like everybody yeah. And also, like, because I've taught PSHE and because it's not a statutory subject, 
I feel like it could so deal with so much of this stuff right. because kids are not explicitly taught about empathy in right. school in and, any other class. Right, and, and then how about... And some schools don't have PSHE. Right, and how about... I mean, we were talking about consent earlier mm. on. I feel like we need to have consent from the kids to be in the school as well. Like, yeah. Like, what happens in a school environment is people are forced into this building. They don't want to be there. Or a series of bells right. instructs what them what to do. What happens when people are in those kind of environments is they become institutionalised mm-hmm. and they become, you know... Uh, not necessarily who they would naturally be no. if you I think uniforms are a terrible right. thing. I think that really makes it worse. Yeah, I, I agree. I, mean, I know a lot of like people a lot of US in... schools don't have uniforms. Yeah. And it really shocked me when I came here and everyone had uniforms. Because you could always tell they say it's so that people don't bully each other. There's but, still bullying that goes on. Right. People will find something else to bully. Yeah, them. or you know, and there's you, they say it, you know, it stops people caring about money and how much they spend on clothes. Nonsense. You can tell by, by how many times somebody's jumper is washed, right. how much money they've got, or right. what kind of trainers or shoes they have, or yeah, I mean, what I went, kind of pee kit or a school bag they use, that, well, how much money they if have. If you've got a uniform school, which is what I went to, mm-hmm. or the t- couple of sec- secondary schools I went to are both uniform schools, but in both of those environments, like what 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 people do is they 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 have badges or they have like you know you mm-hmm. you make your own identity from that yeah like you know I was always getting in trouble for having the wrong kind of shoes or whatever yeah. you know and... I wore a hat indoors I wore a right. hat at me too it was constantly <laughs> taken off my head and put in the school office right. and teachers that got on with me were constantly sneaking it back out and getting it back to me yeah and I had loads of badges on it from loads of different like bands and political campaigns and right things like that I mean that was the thing I. I, when I look back at it, I think, well, maybe if at some point during that time I could have maybe changed the direction of my life uh, in in terms of I could have avoided the bullying by conforming more. But I'm, but I'm. That but sounds I'm, like a lot of pressure to put on yourself. I'm very pleased that I didn't. Yeah. Because I, I, I like people like often say like you know when. When, when you're talking about this stuff, they're like, well, you know, what were you doing that was making you stand out? That sounds like stuff? victim blaming. Right, it, it definitely is victim blaming. It absolutely is. But what what, what they're talking about is, like, the, the idea of, like, self-expression is something that you shouldn't do. And I think it's something well, that everyone should do. Should. And and so I'm glad I didn't, like, change my, my way of being. So uh, if you ever had kids, moment. would you homeschool them or would you well, send them to school? I can't have children. I've had a vasectomy. But if I was going to have children, uh, they, well, in fact, this is one of the reasons that I had a vasectomy. The one of the reasons I wouldn't want to, to have to make the choice of right. where would I send a child because I can totally see the reasons why, like, I, I don't think I could send a child into a school environment. Mm-hmm. Not that I don't know great schools, not that I don't know yeah, great oh, teachers, yeah, there are et cetera, absolutely et cetera. Outstanding schools. But I, I know how it can be and I wouldn't and I don't want mean to put a child into that. offset. I mean, no, like, there are some amazing schools yeah, doing amazing work. I agree. Work. You're saying institutionalized yeah. can be dangerous yep. for you know like well-being and self-expression. Yeah. But homeschooling, if you have a bad home environment, can be Horrific equally too. unacceptable. Exactly. But a positive home environment, yeah, where you are having your child socialize with other homeschooled kids, maybe. Yeah, no, that would be good. I, I, I mean, well, there's loads of reasons why I don't want to have children, but, but both of those are kind of feed into that like yeah. I don't know if I could give a kid a safe home environment yeah. and I don't know if I could trust a school environment so really you know I, I would be in a catch-22 sort of situation I yeah guess. yeah so yeah you're not fussed about having heirs 
No, no, I don't really see the the value in that. I mean, I love kids. Don't mm. get me wrong. I've worked with kids. I've worked with the under fives. I love my nieces and my nephew. I love like all of the children. I, 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 I you know, often prefer the company of children to adults. But <laughs> so you like s- having a family and having children in your family? Yeah, I love that. And, and you don't need to spawn. No, I mean, I feel like being an uncle is a big responsibility, mm. and I feel like that's a responsibility I can step up to. I feel like I'm too selfish to be a, a father because if I was a father, I'd obviously have to put the children first and all of that stuff. Yeah. And also there's all of this gender stuff. So, I mean, if I if if I had children with a, a woman who then gave up their career or their life in order mm-hmm. to look after the children, that wouldn't be acceptable to me. And you don't want to do that either. And I, but I don't want to do it. So, uh, But I do You're think it's good if someone does. You're the guy I've talked to who feels this way. So I know a lot of women who have had to become very vocal about not wanting children because so many people expect them to want to have children. And so they're very good at advocating for themselves with similar reasons because so many people expect them to. Right. But you're the first man I've spoken to who does not want to. Never met a guy who has expressly told me that they've had a vasectomy deliberately so that they don't have children. So right. it's fascinating. It's very nice to know that. Really. I mean, yeah. I mean, my partner also doesn't want to have children, mm. which is useful. Mm. And like, so my dad really brought me up in lots of ways, mm. like it, certainly for the early years. And I, I, I associate childcare as much with men as with women, yeah. simply because that's what I saw. I know that's not how society works. Yeah. So I, I had a sort of positive relationship to the idea of being a father in some ways. And my father had always said, like, he'd never wanted children. He's got four. Well, he never particularly wanted children, necessarily. It's know, just to make when... that mistake once. Yeah, I mean, he, he, hadn't, not, he hadn't not wanted children. Oh, OK, gotcha. So, so he, he was in the position that I find most men seem to be in. Like which, everyone? Which is, if, 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 the, if the woman wants to have a child, then we'll have a child, right? It's like, it's so kind of like... most men you know are all right about it, but not fussed either way. Well, I, yeah, I, I, I feel like most men I know, and most men I know who are my contemporaries are having children, mm. and, and so are their part, like, you know, together with their partners. But they, they've all sort of like, it, it, it definitely has been less, it seemed less, it's always seemed more like the, the woman has decided that that's what they want. I don't know what really? goes on behind closed doors. And more like they've just got, kind of, and maybe it's how men talk to other men of like, oh, you know, I'm just a help. Oh, I'm just yeah, stuck in really the, I'm just stuck in the All the guys I know are like, they look really proud when they oh, say the, that their partners are pregnant. They look right. really thrilled. And oh, don't get me they're wrong. They're trying as, as a couple and they're going, you know, taking heroic measures to try and have children right. if it's difficult okay. for them and things like that. So, I mean, that's interesting. Mm. But, but but definitely the guys I know who, who once they, once there's a baby coming, they're very very happy they're very right. proud they're very active uh, and caring and compassionate fathers There's but the, the guys you know, that you knock about with are not eager and keen in the pre-pregnant stages as far as you're aware no and they're I mean, more keen once once they're on board with an right. idea that's happened and i'd always assumed i'd be sort of like my dad like i can't see any reason why i'd ever want kids at any time but if it was a deal breaker for the relationship then of course i, I like uh, or and then you know jen didn't want to have children and so you know, we t- and we talked about that for a lot. And then I really, really thought a lot about it and mm. really decided I really didn't want to have children. And um, we had like a pregnancy scare. And then at that point, I was like, right, well, I believe absolutely in choice. I don't want to have a child. So if I have to, if I, if I believe in, in choice, I have to make the choice myself mm. and take my, you know, own my bodily autonomy, not 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 expect somebody else to do whatever the fuck I want. That's great. Um, and so, I mean, did, did you get a lot of crap 
like from medical people. Yeah, they were a bit funny they, with yeah. it. But I tell you what, I mean, I was talking to some people on Twitter about this recently. No, nowhere near as funny as they are with women. Like, yeah. that, like it was hard for me to get them to say yes. And but the, most of the questions when they were asking me were, "How does your partner feel? Is your partner going to change her mind?" Wow. It was all about how she's going to feel and how are you going to feel if she changes her mind. It's kind of a valid question. Yeah, you know, it's something that you obviously should consider. But I mean, but the kind of questions that my female friends get are, "Are you sure?" And we won't do this until you've turned. 30 and right. are you sure with, right. you know and we don't do this for young women and right. what if you change your mind and yeah. what if the biological clock starts ticking and and not you know like well they thought of me as particular as they did say a lot of about the young thing I mean I, I did it when I was sort of like 31 I think 30 or 31 mm-hmm. and they were definitely saying you're far too young you know men yeah. have children into their fifth I mean I know that my yeah. dad did but I mean yeah that's mean that really interesting I want that, you know so how much older than you is your dad uh, he, my dad now is 91. And how old was he when you were born? When I was born, he was 58. Okay. So that's that's a really big gap. Yeah. So There's how's t- that? What's it like having an old dad? It's it's an interesting thing. I mean, for me, it was brilliant. but uh, Because it meant that he was there all the time you know he because he was mostly retired for mm. most of my life and I have I'm the, the youngest of his children okay I mean he also kind of brought up my little sister who's not his child right. but I'm the youngest of his children and so I'm the one who I've, I'm, I'm kind of aware that I've got kind of young youngest child privilege in that for all of my life he was basically the carer the person he was unemployed you know he was unemployed because he yeah. was retired whereas for all of my siblings lives it was very different yeah so that's like and you know he, he was a father to some of them in the the 40s and 50s and you know so like by the time I was born it was I was it was the 80s and he'd, yeah. he'd had three children to practice on so how old is your oldest sibling my oldest sibling I don't quite know the exact age but she is in her 60s wow. yeah I mean they're all the, all my sisters are halves and my brother is a whole but I think of them all as whole so I don't right. I don't make the distinction but it's it's useful sometimes when you're trying to describe the weird landscape yeah, of your there's family there's big gaps between you yeah. as well aren't there so right so he was so he was retired and so and he was, you know, looked after us, me and my brother, because there's only six years between me and my brother, okay. so we kind of had a similar, closest, yeah. similar kind of experience of it. And, you know, he he was he made a lot of the food. I mean, it was a kind of a strange family setup. Like my mum and my dad were not together mm-hmm. when I was conceived. They they'd split up. And I would, they were kind of, you know, one of those, when when you split up and you're just still sleeping with each other occasionally. And then I was conceived. And like, so all my life, they've not been together. They've been separate entities. Um, And when we moved to North Wales, my dad had half the house. There was a partition in the middle. And my mum, my stepdad had the bigger part of the house. And we went to my dad's half of the house for weekends. Right. So an unconventional set. That is quite unusual. Did they get on then? Um, they got on enough always for the sake of the children. I mean, and later on, my dad then moved back in with my mum after she split up with my stepdad Mm -hmm. and looked after me and my little sister. And, you know, my dad is in many ways an excellent example of of everything that you should be as a human, let alone as a man, um, which is great. And he's always been very good in those. I mean, you know, he's got his flaws in that he, you know, keeps on falling in love with different people and leaving, oh, you know, whatever. Yes. But, 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 but I mean, that's, but he's always been there for the kids. And both him and my mum have always 
both of them, to be fair to both of them, have always put us, you know, first mm. in their minds. It's just my mum's less capable of actually putting people first in practical sure. reality. But anyway... Was that hard growing up, your mum not putting people first practically, just theoretically? Yeah, my mum is a hard person to, to, to be brought up by, mm. and that's okay, but hard if you're a child, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit like being like she hasn't got any boundaries she hasn't got any like she's a little bit like a kind of on a toddler range of emotions mm-hmm. which means she's very joyful uh sometimes to yeah. be around but also you know very hard to yeah to be around uh and certainly she's does a lot of she's you know she, she she's she's not very good at controlling her temper okay. and she's not very good at controlling that like with words but occasionally with uh physical physical stuff but I I never really experienced very much uh physical uh stuff from my mum but certainly when when I when I did child protection course uh all of the things on the emotional abuse thing was like they were all ticks but I don't think that it's as simple as that though because I don't think she meant or was intending to be abusive but I think she but the result was was that she was um but my dad he was great um and like having him be older was a strange thing. Like when I was six, he had a minor heart attack. Mm-hmm. When I was fifteen, he had a quadruple heart bypass. My dad did when I was eight. Wow! Yeah, there you go snap, snap. And so that was, that was a. Uh, it made me always aware of his mortality mm. from six onwards. And you know, it's weird that now he's at thirty three, really he's well, still alive. Though, my gosh. It's very strange. So was he really ill for a long time? Not exactly. I mean, he he's he's always been really physically fit. I think. Oh, that's so. His, just, his heart wasn't great, but he because of all of the smoking and drinking. Ah, okay. Um, he recovered relatively quick. Oh, and, that's great. And he had good people helping him, and he was walking. You know, he walked a, fam- a family friend's dog. He was, you know, went for walks. With, so he was quite active. You know, he was active. He's always been like kept himself very active and. Even now, and he's got quite a lot of mobility issues and stuff like that. He's he's still, you know, is pretty active for someone. That's great with, with his situation. But apart from that, like the thing about him is he's not like some like what is exciting when you meet him is he's not like like he is someone who was born in the twenties. Mm-hmm. He was in yeah, he amazing. was in the Second World War. Yeah. You know, he he did go through the sixties. Yeah, he, go, he went through everything. But he's very contemporary. Uh, he's very like I. I will sit and talk to him about intersectional feminism now. Cool. Like he, you know, I mean, you know, and and that and so having a dad that like he he when I was growing up he was buying books from the feminist bookshop for me. Yeah, like so I, I he's not the typical. So he's a modern dad, right? And he happens to also be quite old, right? Exactly. He didn't really fit his the... mindset. Isn't like. In, in the no. past. No, in fact, my mum has always had in her head that she's an old person. Really? From a much younger, okay. like, much, much younger age. Oh, but, like, when we were little, like, people... It always seemed like people who were in their 60s had, like, kind of, like, grandma hairdos right, and stuff. And, right. like... It's different people, now. Like, my mom's in her 70s now. Yeah. And, like, she seems young. Yeah. Well, the only question I had planned was, what's it like having an old dad? And we did get to that. And we did get to that. I mean, I didn't exactly fully articulate it Properly, because the thing is, I think it's hard to separate an old dad from your actual dad. Like, yeah. my specific dad was different from what one might think of as an old dad. But definitely at school, it was weird. Like, yeah. people thought it was 
uh, unusual and he you know he helped out in primary school because he could because he was retired mm. and he could do that stuff so people always liked him I mean it was basically like having a really cool wizard as a dad <laughs> I mean amazing. I think that's how people felt about him and he was and you know but it, it yeah I mean the that's only thing awesome. I think that probably correlates with other people's experiences of an old dad mm. is just that yeah you're always aware that they could die yeah and I think that's the the only yeah. only real probably universal-ish yeah. thing about that age. My my parents were in their thirties when I was born. Right. Um. And my dad died a couple of years ago, but he's he was a lot younger than your dad. Right. So it may not be that age necessarily right. well, has that's, a lot to do with well, it. Well, that's the reality of it. Yeah. I've spent all of these years expecting him to die. He's not. Mm. Uh, and now I've I've actually got past the point where I've expected him to yeah. die. Now it feels like how can. He's, no, how can it? How can that ever yeah, happen now? Gonna... And I know it's going to happen soon-ish. Yeah. And so I have to p- prepare myself for that. But there's, at the same time, you can't ever yeah. prepare yourself. There's no. no there's no point. Just, just when he does, there'll be a good two years where you're not quite yourself. Right. This was advice given to me by someone whose dad died, and it's actually been quite effective. It's been quite helpful. So just don't bother wasting any more time preparing. <laughs> there's no point. He right. either will or he won't sooner or later. Yeah. Just. Just mark off the two years afterward as like like a weird bit of useless time right. where whatever happens, it might not be exactly what you expect to happen because you're not quite yourself. And I don't know why that, that two years is right, but it kind of is because I'm coming to the end of it now and it's feeling like I'm more like a person again and I wasn't quite a person. But yeah, my friend Julie told me that. Well, I, I, and she was just in a real sort of fugue for a while, and I can I can relate to that. Well, I think that maybe it's it's possibly even more complicated. Like, I I feel like if 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 my dad died tomorrow, mm-hmm. I would be incredibly sad. Mm. But we've had the best relationship. Like yeah. I I'm like would class him as my one of my best friends. That's awesome. Um, which I've, I always find it a little bit annoying when people say, "Oh, my parents, my best friend." But <laughs> I kind of had to realize that yeah, he kind of is one of those people to me. And so there wouldn't be anything like I don't think there's anything I would regret. Like sure. I hadn't, I I didn't 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 sort anything out. You said everything. Where, you to whereas say. you know, whenever my mum dies. Even though I've said a lot of the things that I, I would have liked to have said, because she's not capable of fully comprehending or yeah, hearing them or yeah. taking it in, it will be much more complicated, yeah. I think, for me. Like with, with because I because I I haven't sorted through my emotions about her. Yeah, um, that's a good point. So I mean, yeah, I mean that's but I meaning. I'm sure both of my parents passing away will be equally complicated yeah. and terrible. You put a content notice on this. So I I gotta so, ask you those questions, don't I? I yeah. gotta ask you how we met. Yeah. And then I got to ask you what you're doing now. Yeah. And then I got to ask you if you have anything to plug. But I totally things. should have asked the first two at the beginning. Yeah. So, so the audience needs to totally imagine that, that this is the everything beginning. they've already listened to comes after these two questions. Okay. Okay. Well, we met through you doing my show, Stand Up Tragedy, I think. You contacted me. Did we meet before then? What do you think? I, I, often my guests get it wrong, so I'm, I'm, I'll be like them. If... I was on stage at utter space right that's right and as soon as I'm glad that you uh, that's why and then you invited me to be on set I did did. and then you invited me to be interviewed by you at the fringe I I... think no I think you suggest that's why I'm getting confused because you you suggested suggested being on Getting Better Acquainted that's right because you put it on Facebook and I said ooh 
I'd love to come up again because I had such a nice time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, okay. So. And, I, and so that was great. And I was really pleased to have, have you but on Game already, Radio. But I had met you. already met me in a very tragedy. to answer your question, mm. I met you at Richard Tyrone Jones's Utter Space. And yeah, you were amazing, actually. There were a lot of really good people there that night, though. Mm. Um, and, I would, so it, and it was a good theme as well. So it was a kind of exciting night. Um, but yeah, you did your space stuff specifically what you did that day you had like a a primary school book that was like an adaptation yeah. thing and then you were talking about you you'll know the right word but the you were talking to the cons the cons uh, the uh the kyber belt kyber belt. yeah because i was go. representing pluto right and the kyber belt objects were talking about uh having Pluto be a new member of the Kuiper Belt. Right, and it was brilliant. And and what I like about you on stage, if, if to, to, to sort of like, uh, at least sort of slightly atone for my sins of forgetting it properly, <laughs> but is, is that... I'm not you know, asking, you don't need to what, there, what, it's but, fine. What I liked and why, why I approached you, like, you were really a warm presence on stage, which I really like to see. And I really liked the way you were talking about these kind of mysterious, complicated universe elements in this really personal human way. <laughs> so I thought, right, well, I'm sure she'll have something that will work at Stand Up Tragedy. Although I remember being like, is she going to want to be dark? It's very, it is very light and positive. But there are some of those letters that I don't perform in yeah, comedy sets. And that's what you said when I <laughs> said to you, you were like, oh, I don't get to read these ones. Please let me. But yes, so that's how I met you. I met you at somebody else's night. And then you you came and did my night. And I'm very pleased that that happened. Um, (laughs) It's really fine. You're... I, I am not cross. No, 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 but I'm not saying that because I think you're cross. Okay. I'm saying that I am actually pleased. (laughs) Um, And then, yeah, and then... The way you came on getting better acquainted the first time was that you were coming to Edinburgh anyway. That's and right. You were performing with us anyway, and so you were like, "Can I be on your podcast?" And that you... had this ex- experience effect on me, and that's why I remembered it more. more right. Is that I was like, "Wow, she wants to do my show." I felt like you were like, like a, a big name you. choosing me, oh, right? Gosh. So like that's nice that you felt I was an impresario. Yeah, and I thought, I thought you, were you were a big, were a big name. name choosing me. I was like, right, I've heard right, right. Of tragedy. I can't how, wait to go on." And that's how I felt when you approached me. I rewrote my history to make you be the impressive uh, <laughs> person. But yeah, so the second question is I have to answer is what I what do, you now. do now. Yeah. And I'm sure people will have gathered. I'm a, broadly speaking, I call myself a storyteller and that means I do lots of different kinds of stories, mostly on stages or in recordings. Yeah. But I mean, I, why? I mean, I, I you know, theatre is broadly speaking what I still think yeah. of myself as making. So it's you just might... a different... And uh, have you got anything to plug? I feel like because I've done four of these, you know, in, 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 in reality, this is the last of the five conversations right. that I've recorded. So I feel like I've plugged like pretty much everything. Have you already recorded the one that will air last or will they No, I haven't in... decided the order yet. Oh, all right. Okay. So what if... What if this what is if the this first one? is the first one? Yeah, well, then the first one will be... Then, you know, <laughs> so do you want to say, hey, you guys should listen to all the rest of these five ones? Yeah, people should definitely do that. <laughs> the stuff I would really like to plug that I do is the stuff I can't really plug because there's nowhere people can find it. So really the stuff that, that I want to plug is like my 
writing my prose or my plays or whatever. That's but, why you've got to so, do a zine. So, well, there, there you go. I should do a zine. Uh, that is very true. But if, if anyone's listening out there that wants to uh, get involved with publishing me or whatever, <laughs> producing some yeah. of my plays, please contact me. Or if yeah. anyone wants to collaborate with you generally. Generally you are speaking, very approachable. I am as, very approachable. As we have seen. I'm, I basically say yes to... To, to pretty much everything I'm trying to do it less though because okay. you know there's only so much you can fit into your life yeah it's hard to but I mean I, I will still say yes to pretty much everything okay because it's exciting isn't so it to do something with somebody oh my else. gosh yeah and you don't know what it's going to well, be you saw me just collaborate with a guy who was doing a Rubik's Cube in a burrito right. bar you are like the the, the collaborator extraordinaire <laughs> like you collaborate with everybody that you meet it's a, it's a, it's, it's a joy fun. to watch i enjoy meeting people i have enjoyed meeting you yeah have you gotten everything you have wanted this is the fifth and final yeah. interview is there anything you wish someone had asked you i don't think so you know i mean i i feel like this has been a really good addition to the to this this weird idea of having five different interviews with myself <laughs> in one week which for someone who constantly worries that i'm being too like me 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 right <laughs> uh, this is a strange thing to have done to myself because now i am being me 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 for a but week but that's good know? because you're the interviewer most of the time yeah. it's nice to lose that's control the that's the hope yeah that's what that's what i'm getting out of it hopefully the audience are, are getting things out of it thank too. you for letting me host the show it's, it's been really a joy fun. and it's in so... fact we've, we're in sheffield we should say as well oh yeah of course we're in sheffield you, so you i've come, come all the way to, to sheffield to my hometown yeah which, which is, is fun yeah and I got to show you around. You did, which was great. And so. I hope you will come again. I think you should do a bunch of podcasts from Sheffield because you've met some cool people here that you should totally get better acquainted with. Yeah, well, I'm 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 fully in agreement with that, awesome. and that's something I'm going to work towards. So actually, stay tuned. Yeah, I mean, actually, I'm gonna I'm looking into sorting out a Patreon account or something like that to try. It. It's like a crowdfunding oh, thing. Cool. So if that's up by the time this goes out, I'll link to it. But but that's the sort of thing that if people, people fund me, like then I can, you can get afford here. to do nice more one. road trips and do really exciting stuff with getting better awesome. acquainted. Thanks so much for hosting. Thank this. you. Should we say Should we say goodbye as uh, like the way my mom ends up hanging up the phone? It's like lots of goodbyes. Should we do yeah. lots of little. It's hard not to for right. me as well. I'm a bit like that. Okay. Good, goodbye. 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 Bye. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. 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 Okay, bye. 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 Are you still there? Oh, should we just press the press the button? Yeah. Bye. Come on. Bye. 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 I hope you enjoyed the second alternative version of Getting Better Acquainted. Check out what Chella does. Listen back to yesterday's episode with Helen Zoltzman and look out for three more conversations happening this week get involved with the getting better acquainted 200 celebrations by using the hashtag gba200 and sharing your favorite shows of the over 200 episodes that have already been out telling your friends about it sharing it on facebook you can follow getting better acquainted on twitter at gba podcast you can like it on facebook subscribe to it pretty much anywhere the podcasts go to hang out with each other on the internet www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk is one place you can find it tune in again tomorrow for a different alternative reality spread the word shout about it a little bit for me thank you so much for listening and remember there are lots of ways to get better acquainted